The bald fat man is Jeff. In the wild, Jeff preys upon fast food and mounting dew. Each new morning, he surprises himself that he survived another day. The dark-hair-bearded fellow is Garrett. His spreadsheets are a way of survival, and his opinions are fine. Just fine. Together, the Jeff and the Garrett form the Give em Hell Brigham podcast. Despite their lack of tangible skills or noticeable intelligence, they not only survive together, they thrive together. So strap in, folks. Things are about to get weird. A new episode of GEHB starts right now. Jeff, we are here. It is Friday. This is our second attempt at an intro because your headphones died. Your headset We've never died. had to do that before. It's true. We've made it over 100 episodes now without having yeah. to do that. Now at the start of season three, but you introduced season three with, I woke up to a text this morning and said, it said new season, new intro, and you hired a David Attenborough impersonator who is, I guess he's the narrator from planet earth. And you discovered that on Fiverr, there are multiple, like tons of celebrity impersonators. So I think throughout this season, we're going to have different things all the time. So don't be skipping the intro every time. Cause you may be in for a surprise. Like, uh, I think you'd said that there's a Barry Manilow impersonator and your exact words to me were his voice will make you tingle in your downstairs. He absolutely will make you tingle in your downstairs. He is going to awaken feelings in your genitalia that you may not be prepared for when you are tuning in to give him hell, Brigham. But that's how sexy his voice is. So uh, the other thing about this is it's like 10 bucks. Like these guys are cheap on fiber. I don't know where they come from. So if you have a celebrity yourself that you want, make up your own script. I mean, keep PG-13-ish. But make up your own script, get your own introduction to the show, reach out to Fiverr, somebody on Fiverr, I guess I should say, get your own recording. We'll, we'll look at it. We'll throw it on. I'm not against that. I'm not against so, that at all. There we go. So something different. New year, new us. We're getting better. And look, helped us a lot over the years. Uh, we're still very firmly in pre-rich category, but... You guys are helping us get a little bit closer to escaping pre-rich. And we've always said, uh, as you guys continue to subscribe and our community continues to grow, we'll invest in the show. And today, we're proving that true with the addition of fake David Attenborough. If you don't know who he is, you got to go. You got to turn on Netflix. You've got to go watch a planet Earth. He'll make you feel a little guilty if you aren't a climate change believer. But that's fine. He'll also teach you facts about like the three-toed sloth. He'll teach you facts about the polar bears and the ice caps. And he will overall educate you become a better person. This is why I had to pay somebody to do the impersonation. Because so go listen. Go figure out who David Attenborough is and, and get ready for a I don't know what to call it. Like a uh, in my head it's like a lazy Susan cabinet full of celebrities who will be joining us throughout the year. That's it. Just a, a lazy, um, a lazy Susan cabinet. We're just spinning that thing round and around. I think around and around. Okay. So obviously we'll get like, we got to find a Morgan Freeman and a Samuel L. Jackson. 
Um, I'm trying to think of who Speaking else. Speaking of Samuel L., did you know that for like a dollar ninety nine, you can get Samuel L. Jackson's voice on your Alexa? Oh, and they but it's you. rated. It's rated R. Like it's like an at app, I guess. But like, <laughs> it's it's pretty funny because he'll the way that it works. It's kind of dumb. You have to say Alexa, and you go and you get it but uh it's fun the um i i didn't know because i don't have any alexa devices so are you are you a google guy we we have like google homes and it's really just because that like came out and was like i got one for free and then they started like anytime you did anything it was like they gave you another free one and they're like fine but i'm also extremely annoyed by them so i might like remote because they do stupid things so it's like they ch- it seems like every other month they change from like if you say set the volume to 35 it's like 35% and then 2 weeks later you'll say set the volume to 35 and it's like i'm sorry the volume can only go from 1 to 10 and so it's like okay now i'm going on a scale of 1 to 10 and i can't do percents anymore okay that's fine and so you start doing that and then 2 weeks later you're like okay set the volume to 3 and then it's dead quiet because they decided to flip it back to doing percents. And I, there's like no rhyme or reason that I can figure it out. And it's just, it's really annoying. So I honestly, I don't know, I might go full scale into the, uh, go buy a bunch of the Apple HomePods because those just integrate Ow. better. With You're such HomeKit. a sheep. It's, but it's so nice when it's like, okay, when I, when someone rings my doorbell, it can pop on and do a facial recognition and tell me, Jeff Hansen just rang your doorbell. You used to be one of us, and then you converted, and now you're just a sheep, and I hate it. You're just a reverse sheep. <laughs> you're a she- you're a goat in your own way. That might be it. Uh, but we do have an agenda today, and Jeff, this is there is real live college football tomorrow. There's actually some last night. There was some like JUCO game or like a JC game or, or not JUCO and JC. That's same thing or like an NAI game or something that was on. Um, that but i there is real live fbs college football on two pa- power five football even power five football. we we gotta talk about this so northwestern and nebraska will play each other in ireland and i think that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard it really is why like, I guess I could wrap my head around it if it's a Notre Dame playing anybody in Ireland because the Irish, the ties to the Catholic, like that, that sort of makes sense, right? Right. But, but like Northwestern and Nebraska, who the hell cares? Like, is anybody going to show up? This isn't the NFL. Like, are there, a, you know, like, are there a bunch of just like huge Nebraska Big Ten fans that have just been chomping at the bit to watch this wonderful game of, Nebraska, Scott Frost, and Pat Fitzgerald. Like, does this does this get their bits tingling? Like, is that what's happening? I don't understand the lure. So I did see um, and that there was a uh, that in Ireland, if you like have a learner's permit or something, when you are this. driving your car, you have to drive around with a uh you have to drive around with um 
it's a novice sticker. like yes novice that's the end and so and it is just the plain block red n like nebraska so it's like all these all these nebraska fans like, think wow so many people are excited to see us but yeah um, i saw that the so i think um I think we do have our agenda. There's real life college football tomorrow. You should put out your picks for the weekend earlier on our, uh, I did. Uh, our, our Monday newsletter. And how are you feeling about this? Have you changed any? Uh, I haven't changed any. I mean, I don't feel particularly confident in any of them. I never do in week one. I never feel great. But here's the thing. And I alluded to this in the newsletter. Uh, a week or a year ago, everything was like reflecting upon the 2020 season and two years ago 2020 was bananas and he didn't know who was going to play and who wasn't going to play on a week-to-week basis and so it was really hard to bet and i had been i i got obliterated over the last two years this year covid i think is enough in the rearview mirror from a football perspective that you can kind of know what to expect a little bit more, be a little bit more educated in your bets. So can the odds makers, obviously. So it's not like anybody's going to all of a sudden go from uh, 50% success rate to 100%. But they can, you can, you can have a little bit of a better feel and feel like you're in control a little bit more. So I feel better about my week zero bets than I would have a year ago, but it's still week zero. You never feel great. Like Utah State, like let's take that game. I think that line has actually moved towards UConn. It it was at 27, 27 and a half. Like Utah State's a 27 and a half point favorite. I, I've seen it as low now as 25 and a half. Um, so the money's moving towards UConn, which in my mind, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because uh, UConn doesn't even have a defensive coordinator in this game. Like they're traveling across the country and they're dog shit even on the best day. So UConn just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and, and Utah State should be pretty good. One of the best, you know, in the Mountain West. But Utah State also loses like everybody. Their entire offensive line is gone. They have their quarterback, they have a coach, and they have a couple of receivers that are back. But by and large, everybody else is gone. And that defense, they lost like half of their production and it kind of sucked anyways last year. So like, could UConn cover? Sure. And so it's, it's tricky. Week zero is tricky. I did like that you uh, just said it's tricky, but UConn, I'm telling you right now, I don't think UConn's going to cover, but did you see that uh, Blake Anderson was walking around the grocery store handing out like handing out tickets to this game? It's a bad sign. Because they could not get anybody. It's a bad sign. Well, it's tough because, I mean, it's not tough, but you look at Utah State, like think Think, folks, think think back to BYU there last year. And I complained about this. We all complained about this. It's like 30% of their stadium seating goes to students. They're the week zero game. Like, that's going to be tough to fill up that whole east side of the stadium with students when not everybody's there yet, you know? And so now you got extra tickets to sell. You're struggling to sell your normal number of tickets anyways. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, week zero attendance is always iffy. And so that, I think that's part of it. But still, I mean, what else, there's nothing else to do in Logan. So I just, I don't get it. Uh, there is in the summer. They're probably at Bear Lake. 
you know, maybe they're. I, I actually think school starts this week. Oh, does it? Or at least, because um, I know one of our uh, subscribers, his son is starting his freshman year in this fall, and uh, the first day of classes is August 29th. So yeah, it's two days before classes start. Everyone's moving in. Well, nobody moves in. Like everybody lives in Logan, so they just kind of like show up at their apartment the day before. But right now they're they're enjoying their last weekend with their family uh, before they go on campus and do what they do. I guess that's true. I mean, think of the Portland State game a few years ago when when BYU played. Like I had to come back early from a camping trip, and I hadn't showered in like a week when I rolled into the stadium for that game, and it was hot as hell. It will be hot as hell in Logan on Saturday. So the, like, I, I get it. The it was hot as hell. I still and people still joke about it. That uh, I remember after that game, Ben Criddle on his radio show trying to spin that Portland State had corners that would be good enough to play in the NFL. Well, also, BYU just wasn't very good. So, yeah, and it's that's the real reason. Little did we know. Little did we know what we would find out one week later in <laughs> uh, in New Orleans that uh, we just sucked. And yeah. It was going to be a really long year. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a rough one. Um, we, all, we all tried to spin that one in our head somehow. We all we all oh it's we're just trying to because it's an FCS team we're just trying to keep it vanilla keep yeah, it. Keep, that's <laughs> that's one thing where it's like any time I think there's like a list of things that in my head anytime I see somebody say it I'm like you don't really aren't really thinking anything through and like it's you're just saying this repeated and that's like one of the vanilla like talking about keeping the playbook vanilla or like oh our game plan was too vanilla it's like anyone who's ever said that it's like you don't have any actual like real thought of or explanation as to why it's just like you don't like it so you're saying it's bland and so you're calling it vanilla or it's like or if somebody says anything is trying to make a point like oh enough said it's like no you didn't say enough because you didn't say anything <laughs> like it doesn't you didn't actually make a point you just think that you like you've discovered something new and you didn't um also anyone who just complains about us dropping eight every play also i actually kind of i'm at the point now where i prefer when people do that especially on twitter because i'm like oh i can just mute you because you don't actually pay attention or do anything you just you complain about how you feel watching a game as if it's reality versus, you know, what actually watching what's happening on the screen when there's four down linemen on like 80% of our place. Is there anything else? No, that's it. That, that was just like a, a punch list of what bugs you today. Uh, like, was, I, I liked it. Keep going. That, what else that was is at there? The, that was at the top of the brain. But we do have, so our over under as we get into gambling. So we have uh, two things I want to discuss with gambling today. One, the over uh, you put down the over under for the win totals, and you looked at which book did you look at to grab that from? Um, uh, I just the Vegas Insider, so I actually don't know okay. which book they were pulling it from. They um, usually it, it's either eight or eight and a half, just about everywhere. So I feel good. So the eight eight and a half, um, the bet GM or MGM is where okay. it's coming from. So eight and a half, if you are, uh, how do we say, more Christ-like than us and do not understand what that means, that means that you are putting money eight and a half wins. So if BYU wins at least nine games in the regular season, so not counting the bowl, then you get that money, you win if you take the over and the over was at minus 135 and then the under was at plus 115. So if they win fewer 
than nine games, then you would win the under. That is one thing um, that the uh, that Europe European casinos do much. We've talked about this, and I don't want to acknowledge it because you don't want to acknowledge. Well, it's just dumb that it's like okay, the under is plus one fifteen. No, it's like. It's like the metric system. I don't care if it makes more sense. Figure out how we do it in America and everybody else sucks. So I don't care. Okay, Jeff. Uh, you've explained this before with and this... I don't know the answer, but I know that inches are better than centimeters. And I know that the way we do it is better than the way that they do it. And I don't care about any arguments that say otherwise. We won the war. Therefore, our way is better. I don't okay. care. Okay, but I just do cannot. Why can't they be the same? That's all I want to know. Why can't they be the same? And like, because right, it's like, what? Okay, so if it's minus one thirty-five, that means you have to bet one hundred thirty-five dollars to win one hundred dollars. But then it's plus one fifteen, which means if you bet one hundred dollars, you win one fifteen. Why can't they just do it the same? And instead like, of being minus one thirty-five, it's like, oh, it's plus one fifteen or like plus. It makes perfect 80. sense to me. No, it doesn't. You're a liar. <laughs> it does. And I don't care. All right. So here's how we're doing this. This is how much I don't care. I'm moving on because America rules. Okay. So so the way that we're doing this, over-unders, it's going to feel a little bit like a game-by-game prediction. And if you read my stuff at Cougar Sports Insider, you, you already know my answers. But enjoy the commentary that will be associated with the answers. Okay. So we're going to go through this. We go game-by-game. Game. What we're doing... We're not making game-by-game predictions necessarily. It feels like that, but that's really not what we're doing, right? What we're doing is we're trying to go through each game and uh, in our heads say, well, how many is it a win? And you're just trying to gather wins, right? And so you have to look at this from a few different angles than you would have like, oh, just BYU versus Baylor, right? Uh, Because I could make a really strong case that Baylor comes in and beats BYU, period. Like that, that might be the pick, right? That Baylor's going to beat BYU. But if you're looking at it from a betting perspective and you're trying to just come up with nine total wins or less than, you know, eight, right? Whatever, right? You're trying to come to that, that, that eight and a half line. I can make a case that Baylor is one of the games that if I want to bet the over, they have to win. So we can, it, it looks. <laughs> It, Garrett's leaving notes about how the European lines, and I don't. No, that's not even the European line because the European line is just a decimal. So instead of minus one thirty-five, it's like two point one five, and it's like, oh yeah, if you put a dollar and you win, they're going to give you back two dollars fifteen. I, I say have... instead of minus one thirty-five, it should be plus seventy-five. I have no idea why there are five thousand two hundred eighty feet in a mile, but I would rather run and talk about a hundred miles a million times over before I start talking about a hundred kilometers. Because America is better, and minus 135 makes perfect sense. So, we're just tallying up wins. So, number one, game one, uh, USF. At USF in Tampa, um, we have a little bit of an indication of what Vegas wants to do with this one, right? We actually have a game line for BYU at USF. And it's moved a little bit. I mean, it's anywhere between 11.5 and 12.5 points right now. BYU is the favorite. If I'm betting this game, I'm really torn. I probably take USF to cover. But if I'm looking at a win or a loss, this has to be a win for BYU. 
I agree. I don't know. I I don't think we're going to cover it in this game because like it's going to be hot as hell. So let's see, Tampa 10 day. I looked up the forecast and it said 58% rain and I shared that on Discord and everybody mocked me because, duh, Jeff, it rains every day in Florida. You don't need to look at the forecast. Everybody knows. Hey, okay, well, I so didn't know. So. The high is going to be 91 with hot. 72% humidity. And what we're kicking off at four Eastern. I also do not think, well, we are going and it is nice. I think we should have gone. We're only going like one day earlier. And I think we should have gone like two days. Are there rules around that? Because I don't know, because like in my head, you've had all fall camp to game prep, right? So like, why would you not go on like Wednesday? But, like, are there rules about when you can and cannot leave? Uh, I don't know. Um, and especially, yeah, it's like go on Wednesday, like a day, or it's the first week of class. Nothing exciting is going on. But, like, go yeah. earlier and just get more acclimated. And we really struggle with playing in the afternoon, and that's just because we don't do it very often. So when we don't do it, it's like you have your routine of this is when I get up in the morning. This is like, I go walk around, like come back, take a nap. This is when my meals are. Like I like to pace how much water I've had, like all those things. And when you have an early kickoff, it really screws with that. Like the Boise game last year, kicking off at like 1 PM or 2 PM, whenever it was, that's really early. Whereas, you know, this game going cross country, it's kind of similar because it's you're two hours ahead, but you're kicking off two hours later than the Boise game was last year. So like, it's tough and we come out sluggish. And so I don't think that we will cover this game. Cause what, what'd you say the line was that right now? Like 12 and it's a like half. 12. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that. Um, I don't think we cover. I do think that the, I think we will win. I do think that the game will be more manageable with Gary Bohannon in there rather than Timmy McLean, just because McLean can run. Like it doesn't, you could shut everything down, but then he can, pop for seven like somehow scramble for seven yards and move the chains and so he could it he was tougher to defend than Bohannon um and I think like they have okay skill players not great and even then people you know they complain about that 2019 game it sucked right especially when Jaron Hall got hurt but the final score of that game is like we lost 27 to 23 and in that game I mean it was uh and in that game, it we had what? Um, well, I guess there was the uh, they take a that touchdown was the off the stupid board game because that that was like freaking Bo Tanner watching a tight end waltz into the end zone, just like stopped running. It was he so had no annoying. cares, and that that quarterback was like throwing with his elbows and still managed to beat it, you know, get by the safeties. That game was ugly. We'll talk a ton about USF next week because yeah, we have to. we will. but for but, now. It's a win. Yeah, I'm not it's an worried. Ugly win, but it's a win. I'm not worried. Yeah, it's a win. It'll be an ugly win. So that brings us to game two, Baylor. Baylor, home. which we also have a line on here already at some. FanDuel, I think, has a line. DraftKings has a line. They've got BYU as a one and a half point favorite. So if you factor in the you know the notion that I don't think I've ever seen a Vegas sports book actually confirm this, but everybody talks about it as if it's fact. So who knows? Uh, the home team is usually awarded three points in the line because they're playing at home. So if you factor that in on a neutral site, Vegas thinks that this game is probably Baylor as a one and a half point favorite. 
but because it's a Provo, the line is at BYU minus one and a half. Um, I mean, it's that, that's, you know, that's, that's one bounce, right? Like that's how close people think this game could be. I think, I mean, like I say, we're not betting the game. We're not picking winners. If I'm betting this game, I'm picking Baylor. I'm taking the money line because that's where the value is going to be. If you look at a plus one or a one and a half point spread, the value is going to be on taking that underdog and you're flipping a coin anyways, right? So that's what I would bet is Baylor's money line. However, if we're picking just winners, we don't care about the score as much. We don't really care about the value because the value is in the whole season. There's a path to a BYU win here. They are playing at home. Uh, it is a new quarterback for Baylor. It's a new defense. It's still Dave Aranda's defense, but Joey McGuire's gone. So there's going to be some changes on that defense, at least in some respects, right? Like, Kyle Whittingham runs the defense at Utah, but there were changes from Kalani Sataki to, to, to Morgan Scally and, and whoever was there in the middle, there was somebody there in the middle. Uh, so there's going to be some changes and you catch Baylor early on. It's never easy to play in Provo, especially coming from Waco. It's a late night kickoff. I think if we're looking at win totals, I think, I think you have to chalk this up as a win. I think Baylor has to um, – I think – I don't think – Baylor doesn't necessarily have to be a win, but I think it goes into a group of games where it's like you got to split these. Like I think you have to split Baylor and Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. And so – When I look at those two games, Baylor think, is the more winnable game. I agree. Um, so if we're saying the over, then we got to beat that one. Um so the next I, week, we also have an early line at Oregon. I want you to guess. What do you think, based on what we know now, what is that early line? Uh, Ducks by six and a half. Bam! Did you know? No, I didn't. No, look. you nailed it. Ducks by six and a half. Uh, look, that game's a loss to me. I don't think Oregon is, is quite as good as they were last year. I think they are absolutely a top 25 team. I, I think Dan Lanning can be great. Bo Nix, I think, is not very great. Uh the, the the X factor is Autzen Stadium. That's an incredibly difficult place to play. An incredibly difficult place to play. And Oregon, while I don't think that they should, you know, they're they're not going to be in the New Year's Six conversation, certainly not in the playoff conversation this year, they're loaded with talent. And so you take that environment, the amount of talent that Oregon's going to have, that's just a tough game to win. Could BYU win? I don't think it's an unwinnable game. And after two weeks into the season, maybe I, you know, would change my bet on a week to week, uh, a week to week cadence, I guess. But when you're looking at preseason win totals, I, I, I think that you got to go with the odds and say, yeah, six and a half point favorite. That's probably about right. I'm going to roll with Oregon winning this game. That just feels like a really tough game for BYU. Yeah, I, that one, I just don't know because it's like Bo Nix was fine but he was fine in the SEC. And that's, so if he's fine in the SEC, is he going to be really good in the pack? Maybe, but then it's also like, I don't know with just, there's so much change and in year one of a new coach and everything, it's, there's a lot of change at Oregon, but it's like, they have the talent. So even if they are a mess, like USC was a mess last year, but it's USC was still way more talented than us. They, they had way better players, but they were a worse team. 
And mm-hmm. I feel like even Oregon be the same game. So that's going to be a tough game. So I think just being on the road and Austin is a tough place to play. That one I think is skewing to be more likely an L than a win. Yeah, I think so too. So through three weeks, you're at two wins. Remember, eight and a half is the line. If you want the over, we got to get to nine wins. So far, we're at two. Uh, week four, Wyoming at home. I feel bad for Wyoming this year. I feel bad for Craig Bull because they had a team that would have been pretty good this year, that would have competed in the Mountain West and and maybe won the Mountain West. They had tons of talent. They got decimated by the transfer portal. And a lot of guys went to, to Utah State, which was which weird. Which is to me. weird because it's not even, it's like it's in your own division, even. It's not yeah, just very like strange. And and it feels like, I mean, Laramie and Logan, it's basically the same thing. Just one has a few more restaurants and the other has an extra saloon or two, but basically the same town. But they lost, you know, Isaiah Nair. He went to Texas. Uh, I can't remember their linebacker's name off the top of my head that was drafted. I mean, they had a really good team last year. Uh, and, and it was a lot of these underclassmen who I think when they're looking at the roster, they hoped that they would be back this year. And it would have made that game really fun. Like Wyoming would have been a tough test. But they're all gone and it's not and they suck. And so this is going to be a, this is a win. Yeah, I, I definitely, that one is not even, yeah, Wyoming is a win. I think Utah State, the Aggies have been running their mouth this morning, all like seven of them yeah, on weird. Twitter about how last time they came into, uh, or like how they scored 45 the last time we played them in Provo on as well. And it's like, okay, that was what, four years ago? That that was the game when Tanner Mangum got benched, and it was yeah. also like the best team in their program's history versus one of our worst in the last forty years. So it's like, if, if that's all you got to hang your hat on. But I did love how a, a sub friend of the show or subscribe Kyle Campbell <laughs> pointed out that Utah State has two wins in Provo since. 2010 or something and they also have two wins in Provo since 1978 (laughs) yeah it doesn't happen very often no it it was the the Taysom game in 2014 when they retired Jim McMahon's number and did the McMahon shirts and whatever like that was Mm -hmm. the uh that was the first time they had won in Provo since like since the 70s and so it's I don't Utah State they lost a lot I still think they will be okay but their win total we talked about this last week like their win total is like six and a half on the year and mm-hmm. I think as long as Bonner stays healthy I think they're going to get over that I mean they lost a lot of guys especially on offense you know they had a ton of receivers um go but it's if we beat them at handily at home last year with our second and third string quarterbacks and like it's gonna that's an that's a win and it's it's weird that's on a Thursday night. Um, that is weird. It is on a Thursday night, which is a little, a little different. Um, but it's compared to like the Friday night. But it's still, it's going to be a night game at home and on a short week. Like that's not going to bode well for the Aggies. Yeah, I agree. So that one's a win in my mind, and I don't think it's uh, the, the X factor with that game is that they're not going to play each other. Utah State is pissed. They think they should play every year. Uh, it's not going to happen. Is there like some extra factor of like motivation there? Sure. Like I don't know how to quantify it. It's not tangible, but I agree. Like this one at the betting counter when you're betting win totals, this is a win. So we're now up to four wins. Each of us, we, we're we're running chalk so far, just kind of following yeah. the lines. 
Um, the next game is the big one: Las Vegas, Notre Dame. Uh, Circa Sports has their line projections. Nothing published that you can actually bet on, but there's some dudes on the internet that have line projections. You have to watch like their actual YouTube videos to get to them, and it's kind of a pain in the butt to do. But they have an early projected line for Notre Dame, and it is, I want to say it was five and a half. Notre Dame is a five and a half or six and a half point favorite. It's less than a touchdown. Very similar to the Oregon line. Um, This game is going to be, I, I don't know what to make of this game, right? This is what's tricky because we really don't know a lot about Notre Dame. They've got a new head coach. They've got a new quarterback. We know that they're talented. We know that they should be good, but we don't know really anything for sure. I Yeah, we're going to find out in next Saturday when they play Ohio State at the shoe. Yeah. One. If they yeah, we'll... win that game, they will be undefeated coming into like because they followed that up with Marshall, Cal, and UNC. So it's like, yeah, they are, they will either be three and one or four and one heading or four and oh heading yeah. into that game. If there's a potential too, like if we saw, if we knock off Baylor and Oregon, there is a potential for that game. And they somehow, like, if Notre Dame somehow knocks off Ohio State, there's a potential for that game to be like number two versus number seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, that's the hype. People are jacked about this game. Like across the country, not just BYU and Notre Dame fans. Like you, you listen to college football fans, and there's a lot of people who have this game circled as one of the more exciting games in the year. Um, so let's get to it, right? What what we're talking about win totals. I think BYU could beat Notre Dame. I think that that place is going to be crazy. I think BYU could beat Notre Dame. I I probably in a single game setting especially as like a five and a half, six and a half point underdog. I think I'd take BYU to cover for sure. I think I'd take BYU on the money line because the value would be great. And I think BYU could win this game. I'm just not sold on Marcus Freeman leading, you know, the Irish to the college football playoff in his first year as a head coach. He, he might, maybe I'm wrong, but when I'm looking at win totals, I think you have to take off some of the the coulds and you certainly aren't looking at the individual game value or anything like that. I think you've got to say this one is a loss. Yeah, I I think I would also say it's a loss, but it's also, I think it is better. I mean, it, that game is also slated to kick off at like four o'clock mountain. So it's a mid-afternoon game, but like the Boise game last year, right? If it wasn't, if that it didn't rain during the Boise game, we would have won. Right, because it was three fumbles is what caused that cost us the game. Because we gave them the ball on the a short field twice, and then fumbled the ball inside the ten yard line. And also the other way, Jaron was working with less ribs than Adam in that game. Right, and so so that was brutal. So I think that in terms of that game, where that could be the kind of game where in environment we also have the benefit of, I mean it. It kind of sucks. So Notre Dame is coming off of a bye. They're going to have two weeks to get ready for that. And we have a short week because we're playing on Thursday, the week before against Utah State. Um, but it's – I, which maybe that Utah State game becomes a bit of a trap because they're looking – you know, you think, oh, we should roll over the Aggies. And like you said, the Aggies are hyped up because they know we're not going to play them anymore. And we're looking ahead to Notre Dame like – there is that is a very big potential for a trap game in that one. Um, 
but I think that Notre Dame game is probably it's probably a loss just because they have a deeper roster, but then also by October, it's like, you know, if their QB gets hurt, then that can easily become a win. And we talked about this last week. I think if a, if QB one gets hurt, that should be a push on your season one total. Um, But the, I, I think that is a game where we will either lose close or we will stomp like it will be like a Texas 2014 type game where it's like we come out and it's like so amped up and so hyped and um, like it's so amped up so hyped that we just come out like zoned in ready to play. And so I think, I I think it could be that shocking kind of game though. It's very unlikely, but I, for this purpose of the win totals, I'm going to chalk that down as an L as well. I think you have to Uh, next week. Golly, the hits just keep coming. Arkansas, I'm going to definitively say this is a BYU win. Here's why. We've talked about this, I think, in the past, maybe. Maybe I've just talked about it. Maybe it's only in my head. I don't know. Uh, Arkansas has a brutal stretch of games. And then in the middle of it all, they have to go to Provo, Utah, and take on BYU. They're not going to want to go to Provo, Utah. But they have to go to Provo, Utah. Yeah. So, so this play... stretch of game, they play a neutral site game against Texas A&M. Well, then... we can even start with week one. So they are playing Cincinnati <laughs> at home. Then they play South Carolina at home. Then they play Missouri State. So they have their FCS game in there. Yeah. And then they get into A&M, Bama, Mississippi State. At Mississippi State. So it's it's it's, it's you get a neutral site game. It's in Arlington. So it's really going to be closer to a... a Texas A&M home game, but you've got Texas A&M at home against Bama on the road against Mississippi state. And that's not easy. Like Mississippi state's not the best team. They are going to be, you know, six and six, seven and five, but in the sec going down there to Starkville is never easy to do and playing against and having to prep for that Mike Leach offense is different. Right. So that's not an easy place to play, and that's a game that could bite them in the butt. Then they have to go to Provo after that. So after A&M, Bama, Mississippi State, they have to fly over the Rocky Mountains for like the third time in their existence and take on a very, very good BYU team at home who's going to be jacked to play an SEC team in Provo. Then the next week they have a bye, but then they play Auburn at Auburn. The scheduling gods did Arkansas absolutely zero favors this year. Zero. Um, the I do want to point out back, to, jumping a week back to Notre Dame, that in the returning production, uh, Notre Dame was like one thirteenth, and they yeah, are only, only returning forty nine percent. So yeah. they lost a lot of bodies as well. So it's not not going to be a fun year for Mark Rubin. I think I'm going to put an L for Arkansas just because I put one for a win for Baylor. I think we split those games. I don't know which one we win. I don't know which one we lose, but I think we split those. So for the purpose of the total, I'm going to break those up, um, even though I would put like a half a win on each of them. And looking at uh, the latest, like the preseason SP plus ratings, it actually gives us at Arkansas, it makes it a straight up 50-50 game. Um, yeah. So it actually- Cir- Circus Sports, I think, had their, like I say, their projections that I had to watch these dorks talk about it for a while. Uh, I think it was BYU by two and a half. So basically a pick right? Yeah. Um, and so they also, I mean, SP Plus also has that Baylor game at 
Oregon at 43. So th there's a lot of toss-ups there between those three games. Um, but we're moving on here after that brutal run, which we don't have a bye until after the – we play 10 games before yeah, we get a bye. You, you will be pheasant hunting in the state of Utah before BYU has a bye week. Yeah, so we go cross-country at Liberty. This one will be an interesting line to watch and interesting to see. I mean, Hugh Freeze is always a tough – I mean, we remember that 2019 game, right? Like mm -hmm. Hugh Freeze – Always a, a tough out and a tough offense to play. It is definitely a W for me, uh, depending on what the line is. That get that again is a game that will be tricky because that's going to be it's going to be on ESPN Plus, be probably because of it's going to be on Liberty's TV deal. Um, so they may do if they do an afternoon if it's like a two o'clock kick on the East Coast. That's gonna that's gonna, gonna feel suck. weird. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel weird. It's going to come out slow. So I think it could, it has the potential to be a lot like the Georgia Southern game last year, where it's like a frustratingly close win, given like the situation, especially too. It's like, if you, you know, you, you've just played, you had a rivalry game, you Utah State, you played Notre Dame, you played Arkansas, you already played Baylor and Oregon. Now you're uh, traveling to Nowheresville, Virginia and Lynchburg and to this random little city and you're hoping that Jerry Falwell's not looking at you like he's your pool boy or you're mm -hmm. his pool boy. And it's, I think that is a game that it, it will be closer. And, but I, I think definitely like, unless there's, you know, a major flub that will be a win. Yeah. I think that that's accurate. Um, Charlie Brewer is going to be the quarterback. Obviously BYU fans love to remember Charlie Brewer, who was the quarterback of Utah last year. I wouldn't read too much into his performance at Utah into how he's going to play at Liberty uh, because Hugh Freeze is a quarterback whisperer. Like if anybody can get talent out of Charlie Brewer, it's going to be Hugh Freeze. And so that's something there to consider. That game is, that game's got ugly written all over it. And it scares me a little bit. Liberty wants Liberty looks at BYU as a road plan, a roadmap for who they are going to be when they grow up. So you know that that's a big measuring stick game for them. And you know that that's one that they want to win to say, hey, guys, we've arrived. Like we are a religious school with a strict honor code. And we are very much a part of the conversation with BYU and, and you know, hopefully Notre Dame is what like that's their goal. Right. Uh, so it's going to be tough. But I do. I think it's a win next week back at home Friday night game against uh, East Carolina. I don't want to talk about it. East mm. Carolina sucks. That's a win. That, that is a win. Um, that game is actually probably going to be very similar to that 2019 Liberty game. Uh, but instead of Buckshot Calvert, it's a QB. It's going to be uh, what's it? It's uh, Holton Ehlers is ECU's quarterback, and he's a third-year starter. He started as a true freshman in 2020, played well, made some good progress last year. Um, and so it's it's going to be – I think they'll have a good offense, and, it, again, it'll be – a It'll be a game. It's not gonna. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but it should be a game that we win comfortably by ten to fourteen, especially playing at home, um, at home on a Friday night with them having to travel back out. And I don't know who they have the week before. Um, so the week before they come out, they've got. Uh, okay, so they have Memphis at home. Then they have UCF at home, and then they come out to play us. Um, so going that's a pretty in terms of AAC play that's a pretty brutal three-game stretch for them um, so I, I think the travel will wear on them but it it will be a fun game uh, the last time they came to Provo 
in 2015 was a really fun game. Um, so I think that, I think yeah, that was the game that the Tanner Mangum's hamstring like snapped in half and he came back out and saved us. And yep. everybody thought he was that guy yeah. and he ultimately was not that guy, but that game was fun. And he was that guy for that game. It, so. Yes. It seemed like he had th- that moxie that we all want and then it didn't. Um, so then we go our last game of this brutal 10 game stretch. We got November 5th. We have Boise and Boise. Uh, that's a loss for me. I mean, it's 10 games into the season. And so who knows what we're going to say about this game at that point in the season. But right now, looking at win totals, that's a tough place to play for BYU. The only times that BYU has ever won on the blue, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl playing not Boise State, and then 2020 when nobody was there inside the stadium to watch because of the Mountain West's crazy COVID rules that nobody could go in, right? So they have never beaten Boise in a sort of normal atmosphere at Boise. They've never won any game at Boise in a sort of normal atmosphere. We all know the history. There's been some close games, but they've never beaten Boise at Boise in a sort of normal atmosphere with fans in the stands because nobody went to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and nobody was allowed to go 2020 BYU at Boise State. So that's a tough place to play. Boise's got a lot of that Utah State angst. And they've got a lot of that same motivation to, hey, we're never going to play BYU again, so let's get a win and have bragging rights in the Intermountain region forever. But Boise's better than Utah State. So to me, this lines up that this is a game I have to say is a loss if I'm sitting right now on August 26th at the betting counter looking at win totals. This is a loss for me. I think all of those things, like, yes, they're going to be hyped, but I think after what happened when we played there in 2018 and then obviously we played great in 2020 when last time we played there but being so close in both 2016 and 2018 and then winning in 2020 and then what happened last year being you know so the way that game was just our sloppiest ugliest game of the season i think we're going to go in there and get a win um i also i mean Last year was the only year that Hank Bachmeyer made it through the entire season. It's and true. he wasn't great. His passer rating was like 140. He had 20 touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's it's true. And so it's not like he was he's, he's awesome. not that guy. That not guy's right. gonna be my phrase this year. Like it's it's the Gen Z phrase, but that guy, him, he, Himmy Butler, Himmy him Butler. Hebo. The, 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 that's going to so be who I am this year. He had four games. Uh, so let's see. If you look at the kind of decent, good team, he had four games like where Utah State, 56% of his passes, BYU, 62%, Fresno, 55%, New Mexico, 50%, San Diego State, 52.5%. Like he only completed 62% of his passes on the season in yeah. 12 games. Like it's not in what, 3,000 yards on the dot. He only threw for 250 yards a game. So, and it's, he's pretty, like, he's a pretty ho-hum quarterback. He's not the guy that you think he's going to be when, you know, when he came in as a four-star, it was like all the highest rated QB boys he's ever had, like going to be the next Kellen Moore. He's going to be great. They're going to go to NY60. He's just there. And so I think with him just being there, I think it's easy to, you know, I think that is a game where we get it done and it's because of 
like we want to end that series on our terms um, and sure. the team will be hyped for that. And, you know, they have, who did they play the week before? I mean, they play Colorado state at home the week before we've got one extra day of rest because we play on Friday night versus ECU. Um, so that's I, a wash. I think that's, that's, that's it's, a, it's a wash. Day. It's nothing. Yeah. It's a trout. So yeah, I, I think, uh, so it's, it's a wash cause we do have to travel obviously up to, up to Boise, but I, I think that's a game we get it done. The next, we finally have a bye after that. Oh, uh, yeah. And then uh, the next game is Dixie State, a.k.a. Utah Tech. And the game will happen and BYU will win. And then after that, BYU will go to Stanford. And both of us, Garrett, are sitting with a record of 8-3 and three right now. So we're putting it, this, it's going to come down to the Stanford game. And yeah, so your payout for this game, you will win or lose based on Stanford. And so that's what's tricky about win totals, right? Is, okay, here you are. Eight and a half is the total. It's not eight. If you can get it at eight, take it. Because if our records pan out, at worst, you're going to push, regardless of the, the result of this game. So you'll get your bet back. But if you can't, and you got to get it at eight and a half, and you have to make a determination of are you going over or under eight and a half wins, you really care about this Stanford game and that game is three months away and you've got to know who's going to be healthy. You've got to try to understand like what the team is going to look like. How is Tanner McKee going to develop? Does he look like the NFL quarterback that he's capable of being? I don't know, but we're going to bet. We're making a bet today. So you kind of have to make a, make a guess, right? Make a projection. That's tough to do. So here's how I break this game down uh david shaw i'm not a believer like everybody's a believer he's renowned as like the gandhi of college football coaching and i don't really understand why he kept the momentum of jim harbaugh but that's kind of it he's been meh since then nice guy but like meh. Uh, and so i'm not a huge believer in david shaw and if you look at the brand of football that, that stanford likes to play right big in the trenches power run game on offense and they try to match up on defense. Like they try to over physically overpower people out physical people on defense as well. So when I look at that, I think BYU has the hogs in the trenches and the depth in the trenches to match Stanford in that regard, where I think BYU has an advantage is they open things up on offense a lot more. And so they can go, hard nose, pounded out football if that's what they have to do. But they can also spread things out and turn it into a shootout if that's what needs to be done. I don't think that Stanford has that ability. No, and so I, I think I think it's a push when you're looking at, you know, strength versus strength, power versus power. Both teams can do it, but BYU can get more creative than Stanford can. Therefore, and, and they'll be playing in front of like what, like by by Thanksgiving there'll, weekend. There will be more Stanford. BYU. There'll be more BYU fans in Stanford. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be you know maybe five, seven, somewhere between there fans, not thousand, maybe hundred, five to seven hundred Stanford fans will be there, and like two hundred of them will be in the band and not really paying attention. The yeah. biggest question mark for me in this game is what sort of anti-Mormon rhetoric is going to come from the band. Like that's really what 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 I'm looking forward to. The anti-moral. There definitely will be something. I agree. I think this is kind of game, like the final score of this game is going to be like 
28 to 17, where yeah. we are going to get a couple scores early. And then we know that they will not be able to, they are not explosive. And so we will just make them grind it out and we will be fully, we know that we are capable of grinding it out and we will just slow it down and say, okay, like if you want to take nine minutes off the clock, by all means do it. And yep. we don't care if you like you, we score a touchdown and then you take nine minutes to go kick a field goal. That is a win for us. And so yep. the, that is going to, I think it's going to be that kind of game and I, yeah, I just don't see. And I feel like by the end of the season, I mean, Shaw is already kind of like, there's a decent chance that he's canned by then. Like, and he's let go because people are true. like not super happy with him and it's, it is starting to slip. And so they could, I mean, like you look at their schedule, uh, see, they are probably gonna, They're going to lose Notre Dame, probably lose to USC, probably lose to Oregon, probably lose to Washington. Uh, you, Arizona state will be a toss up. UCLA will be, a, probably a loss. Washington State will be a toss-up. They'll probably lose to Utah. Cal will be a loss, so they could be three and eight coming into that game. And if they could are, be a lot like that USC game to, yeah. to send with send. a much against a much less talented team. So yeah. I'm not. Uh, I think that one. I think we can both put it down as a as a dub, which I think we put us at both put us at nine and three for the yeah year. different different path to get there, but we both ended up with nine wins. So that's. That's your bet. That's your over. And right now, if you look at those odds, minus 135, get out of here with your European um, bullshit. I'm just looking at my FanDuel app, and it actually, uh, they have the over at minus 105 on FanDuel. Ooh, so, so it's, so so it's they're, back down. Th- that's almost like, yes, yeah, so that's like eight and a quarter, right? Yeah. Like it's, that's a, they're leaning closer towards the under on that because they're giving better odds to the over. Um, Interesting. So to p- look at your books, right, if you're doing this, because yeah. At uh, MGM, that win total is, I mean, at least as of earlier this week, was at 135 for your odds. So if you can do that on the, if you're a believer in over, do it on FanDuel, make yourself a little bit more money. Yep. But either way, this this looks like, I mean, that eight and a half line is is tough. And I, I, I like it because I don't see BYU going seven and five. But nine and three is yeah you've got to have a they've got to have a few things go right and nine and three is going to be really tough to do eight and four is a like we'll be bummed out right like nobody wants to go eight and four but that feels like a record that's very possible and so I think that you're in the right that eight and a half line is a very good line that's a really really tough line to bet because I do I think BYU goes either nine and three or eight and four i 10 and two seems unlikely to me and seven and five seems really unlikely to me yeah i think if i had to say i'm gonna lean towards that nine and three uh, with my blue goggles on um and so i definitely with those blue goggles on i'm gonna lean towards the nine and three i think there's it's kind of the things where it's if there's a couple make or break games where it's like if we blow the game at home against utah state um mm-hmm. there's if we that liberty game, trap game it's like that liberty yeah it's like then that's like that becomes a trap game like pulling out liberty like that can the liberty game's not so bad but it's like you go blow the utah state game then mojo is going to be bad rolling into notre dame and arkansas if you you know it's if we somehow if we knock off both baylor and oregon then you're going to be riding high 
into, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, or if you stomp Baylor at home, you're going to be riding high into Oregon. And so there's, there's a lot of points in the schedule where momentum can shift. Um, yeah, definitely. And so the, um, so I think there's, there's a lot of points in this where we, where it can shift. And um, the last thing that we have on here, oh, I guess we do have a little bit. We got, the, we got housekeeping items. Yeah, that so we, can we have housekeeping items. through. We have housekeeping items to breeze through. So you want to, uh, the Built Bar Cougar Tail puffs are out. I have not ordered them. You said they're good. They taste like a Cougar Tail, maple yeah, bar. Yeah, they do. And Keep them refrigerated because when they're half melted, they're gross. And they 15% of the anybody who buys those, 15% of it goes back to the NIL fund for the players. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, not, an, not an ad here, folks. This is not an ad. just reporting of the news. Yes. And then you wanted to put your, we kind of have some, uh, uh, some uh, like awards, some preseason awards for us here. And so we'll, we'll blow through these really quickly and wrap up. So it's your MVP of the team. I think Jaron stays healthy for 12 games. Yep. If Jaron stays healthy, he is going to have an all timer type season. Like it is yeah. going, he's going to be so damn fun to watch. Um, yeah. I think the step forward he takes your breakout player. Um, is saying Chris it, Brooks cheating? No, Since everyone I think, kind of expects. It. I mean, he's new to us. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's fine. I mean, Chris Brooks makes a lot of sense to me. The breakout guy ends up being somebody on defense, and I think, I think it's Caleb Hayes because I think that he. I think he turns some of his 11 PBUs, he turns that into three or four or five interceptions this year. And we look back at it and go, whoa, damn, that was one of the best cornerback years BYU's ever had. I think from a fan perspective, it will either be, if not on defense, it will be someone on the D line that will take it, like be consistent and kind of mm -hmm. become as like a guy, like someone who's a dude. Yeah. And yeah. that, because that is a lot more visible to a fan, especially when you're watching on TV versus you know, I think teams will, they're just going to start avoiding Caleb Hayes altogether towards yeah, the end of the true. season. Um, so someone on the D line, uh, I don't know. May I, Tyler Batty's finally going to, we're, he's going to be healthy and we're going to see what we thought we were getting after that Houston game in 2020. The newcomer of the year, that one I will oh. say, Chris Brooks. Yeah, that's fine. And or I you're going to say Parker Kingston. Parker Kingston. Parker Kingston. I cannot say Parker Kingston's name enough. Parker Kingston. Parker Kingston. Parker Kingston. So, I think he's going to be for real. I don't think he's going to have a thousand yards receiving, but he's going to have he's going to four hundred yards receiving, and people are going to look at it and go, "Well, okay, we're going to be okay next year." Yeah. Um, then what, we have the coach of the year. Is that what your COI is? Uh huh. The coach um, of the year. I think the coach of the year. We're gonna. I think we're gonna say Fessy and look back and see just this in as a whole. The wide receiver group is might be the deepest and best that we've ever had elisa tuyaki okay i will give I that think, I, he, he proves he finally he shuts people up i i think look this is not a defend him or anything like that i think that that we know what the past has been we're not going to sit here and rehash it we've been very critical like we've said what we've said i still think his recruiting is booty flakes but i think this year the defense is going to be tangibly better than they were a year ago. And we're going to see that. And we're going to see finally that Tuiaki 
changes the way he does things, results will be tangible on the field. And we're all going to look back at in five months and say, Tuiaki did a damn fine job with his defense this year. Okay. Uh, and then I'll give you that. And then the defensive player of the year. Uh, yeah, I think it, it probably will be, it's either going to be Peely or Caleb Hayes. I think it, if I had to say one who's someone who's going to just be consistent, start to finish out the year, it's probably going to be Hayes. Um, just obviously he's just not coming off of an ACL injury and mm-hmm. he, his impact, I think will be felt a ton of what in terms of freeing up the staff to do more on defense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I would go with Peely just because the impact of a linebacker is easier to see. Yeah. And the offensive player of the year. So we can't do Jaron because can't, can't do Jaron. So uh, is it going to be, it's Puka? Blake, it's Blake Freeland. So you think, so you think Blake, well, I mean, even on the O-line, it's kind of, we have Freeland, but you also got Barrington. Campbell, I mean, that's not, that's like a, that left side of the line is locked down. And then there's also Kingsley on the other yeah, side. It's going to, it's going to be Blake Freeland. So and you he, think he will cement himself as a first round draft pick this year. So you're saying Blake, Blake Freeland is going to have a Brady Christensen-esque 2020 yep. season-esque yep. type year. And, and playing alongside Clark Barrington is going to be great because that left side of the line is going to be locked up. But Blake Freeland is going to be that guy to me. You look at value, right? Like uh, you want, if you can only have an elite player at one position, you want it at left tackle, not left guard. Fortunately, BYU has elite players at both positions, but because of that positional need, I'm saying Blake Freeland is the guy at the end of the year. Okay. I think we can, I think Freeland, um, I don't know if, I want him to be a first-round draft pick just because that will do so much for the O-line, right, in terms of, like, the reputation of the school. And it's – he has – the thing of him is he has, like, the height uh, and, like, the frame that Christensen didn't quite have. And even though Brady was so good, it was, like, you know, it was kind of freeland. When people look back, it's like, oh, well, he was a quarterback in high school. Like, that just mm-hmm. – that gets people salivating. Um, so I, I will give you Freeland there as the Offensive Player of the Year. Um, if not Freeland, then I think Puka is going to have an all-time like one of like a Reno 2001, Collie 2008 type receiving season for us. Boy, I hope so. <laughs> what sure would be nice. I um, sure hope so. And then the last thing uh, we did get a commit, and when we're talking about people to go along with Parker Phillips or Parker Phillips, Parker Kingston at the receiver spot, we've got JoJo Phillips who committed this, this week. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. JoJo, uh, for those of you who don't know, and I think everybody probably does at this point, COVID wrecked his sophomore year. Like, So this was a guy that had LSU, Oregon, like big-time schools after him very early on. And kind of explaining the recruiting cycle to people, uh, the way that it works, right? Early offers are extended by schools like LSU and Oregon to soft freshmen and sophomores when they look at somebody and say, this guy is elite. This guy has NFL potential and we're going to throw an early offer just so that we're in the conversation forever. And then they kind of don't really recruit much after that because he's young and that's just what they do. Jojo got those early offers blew up early on and then COVID wrecked his sophomore year. And as a result, those schools, he didn't continue to rack up more offers and those schools that had extended early offers 
they kind of backed off because nobody got to see him play. And his offer at the time, right, was based on his elite potential. Nobody got to see if that potential had actually come to fruition at all his sophomore year. So JoJo makes the decision, says, well, I'm getting a little bit more attention on the basketball front. I'm going to play basketball. So he doesn't play football at all his junior year. Uh, then he goes to some seven and seven on camps this last summer, well, I guess spring and summer, and more offers start to trickle in. And and now he decides he's going to play football again. And he's every bit the elite player that, that people thought he was going to be down there at Sierra Canyon, but nobody had been able to really see him play. And these colleges can't go to those seven on seven camps. So he truly is, he's like a weird case of being a diamond in the rough but who was very early discovered, but then stayed in the rough. Like, it's kind of strange. Uh, he's legit. He's legit. If, if he were to come to BYU, if he were to play football, how about this? If he were to play football like a regular, like a regular seasons, not COVID in California, not focusing on basketball, if he were to play football like a regular person for the last two years, he's a top 200 guy. I mean, he's that good. I think he is going to be the kind of player that fans expected Cody Epps to be when he said, oh, we're getting a receiver from a legit big-time football school in California. Yeah, I agree. So huge deal. Big guy. I've compared him to, like, Mitch Matthews. Uh, 6'5", every bit of 195 pounds right now. He'll probably play in college at, like, 205. He's a big dude. He's fast. He's got the athleticism to play wide receiver at that size and play it really, really well. So it's not like he's, like, a, you know – I say this as Neil Pau is competing for an NFL roster spot, but like he's not a Neil Pau guy who's going to be a big possession type receiver. Like Phillips has the speed to be a home run threat, who's also six five and huge. So kind of like that that Mitch Matthews role that he played for BYU. It's a big deal. Um, had a final three. I can't remember who it was. It was like San Diego State and Cal. He had just picked up an offer from Michigan State and like um, BC. Yeah, Boston was College was in there. So there was there's a handful and there's still more. He'll he'll still pull in more offers, but from all accounts, he is locked in with the Cougars at this point. Yeah. So it I am very, very excited about him. It will be good to see him next year uh on campus. And I think he he and Parker Kingston are gonna be a one-two punch at the receiver position in the future. Um it has this is our last preseason episode. Next week we are in game prep mode. We will oh, yeah. have our we have our USF preview. We will have to figure out what we're cooking to eat. Like I don't know. I did Cubanos last year because it's from Tampa. I don't know if I'm going to do that again or just do something else. Yeah, that's true. But I want fish. That's gross. I will not be doing that at my house. <laughs> and it, it has been a great episode. And my dog is itching to get out, and so I don't want him to pee on the ground in my office. Mm-hmm. So with that, Jeff, give him hell. Give him hell. <laughs>